0: All right, dumpster fire. Jeez, what shouldn't happen? Um, Parlor Facebook integration?
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: Welcome to C Lab, the customer education laboratory where we explore how to build customer education programs, experiment with new approaches and exterminate the myths and bad advice
1: that stop growth what dead dead in its tracks, in its tracks.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> i am dave Darrington, and i am adam Avramescu. as always now i know dave we have definitely recorded on this day in a previous year because it is once again national pizza with the works except anchovies day
0: why do people hate on anchovies? You know what? I actually, I actually researched that real quick. Um, I was really curious about this, and we're all about learning, right? Sure. So let's. Um, so what I what I learned because I've always asked this, like, why anchovies? Why everybody hate anchovies? Well, not everybody hates anchovies. Traditionally, Italians have been putting fish on bread for at least two thousand years.
1: The original so, fish sauce, or the original ketchup, yeah. was more of a fish sauce that the Romans used.
0: Yeah, it's good. It's just, at least in the United States, at least where we're at, maybe not that big a deal.
1: I hear you. I would, you know, I am <laughs> I am a big anchovy fan on pizza. Sometimes they can be super salt bombs, but uh, mm. you know, I'll take it with the works, with or without anchovies. Anyway, we've definitely done this before because I remember us uh, recording on on National Pizza uh, Without Anchovies Day, but. I do think it's a good time for us to be reminiscing a bit, because this episode, we are celebrating some milestones for C-Lab. First of oh all, I know, right? So, so first of all, this is episode number what, Dave?
0: Number 50! Number
1: 50. Um, and as Bill Kachard, who hosts the Helping Cells radio podcast, and he actually has a new one now called Connecting the Dots, he's he mentioned this to us, and I think we did an interview with him when we were first starting this podcast a couple years ago. And, and he said most podcasts don't make it past episode 11, I believe.
0: Yeah, it was something like 11 or 12 because we'd made a big deal about how he wanted to be number 12 when we got there and we did.
1: <laughs> yeah, we blew that away. So we are super happy to be at 50 and to have spoken to so many greats from the worlds of customer education along the way, including leaders, CEOs, practitioners, and, and all sorts of folks, as well as having explored a lot of hypotheses and debunked many myths and misconceptions along the way.
0: Yeah, so let's say, let's see where we want to go next. We want to share those thoughts on on where we've been and where we're going as we step into 2021. You know, good riddance. Hindsight is 2020 literally this time. Um and we're going to have some fun along the way. So, let's start off Adam by doing some Q&A. What do you think? I love Q&A. Let's open the mailbag. Cool. Well, let's do. Okay, we don't have a There we go. All right, we'll get to reflections in a moment. Um, But you know, and we were just talking about this before we started this day, it's been a really stressful time for many people. I almost want to say all but you know, I'm sure there's some folks out there that are happy. uh, And that's great. You know, bless you for that. But we wanted to have an opportunity for us just to let loose.
1: I agree. Um, I think it's high time for that. So we asked our followers to submit questions to us like we do in our typical mailbag episodes, but we had a catch. And that catch Mm -hmm. was we asked for off-topic Silly, fun, random questions, and people definitely brought their A game <laughs> with funny, intriguing, absurd, or otherwise random questions to the table. So big thanks to everyone who submitted questions. Uh, we'll, we'll lob a few of them back and forth. Dave and I will take a crack at answering some of these, and then we'll do a, a lightning round later. Um, yeah. And we'll intersperse that with, uh, you know, just like you said, Dave, we've done two years of this podcast. We'll talk about what's happened over the past two years and some of our, our thoughts for, for the year ahead. Um, but yeah, let's, let's pick up a few of these questions. So question number one submitted to us, Dave, you want to read that?
0: I will read it. Okay. Considering that COVID-19 has turned so many things upside down in both work and personal lives, what has been one new or old hobby you picked up on during this time? And that has been giving you some joy these days. I, I like this question and I'll go first. So you know, I, I was doing some thinking about this, and what are the things that I enjoy doing, or what I used to enjoy doing? I found that, well, number one, I've started to get a little bit more back into reading uh, as we've shifted to more digital stuff. I haven't done that, but um, I I love games. So board games, video games, whatever. Uh, we've been doing a lot of that, and that's that's really brought me a lot of joy. Especially, it's easy to put. Everything else on hold. Uh, when you when you fire up a, a long form game of Civilization VI, uh, and it just the world melts around you. So that's that's what I've been doing a lot more of.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I have too actually. Um, I have I got a Nintendo Switch for oh, my birthday, okay. which was right before the the whole lockdown started, and so I've been really enjoying spending some time playing some new games because I I didn't have a console for for years. Like the last console I actually had was a A PlayStation one. So I'm catching up on many generations of games that have been published onto the Nintendo switch, including some new ones. So, you know, I think there's a temptation sometimes to, to say, Oh, you know, I, I picked up all of these like super productive hobbies, but it's a global pandemic. Everyone is stressed. You and I still have our jobs. We still record this podcast. We've been speaking at conferences. Like, I think it's just as important to practice self-care and, and have, you know, moments for yourself.
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, I think it's funny that, that we both turned to gaming, which, you know, it's, uh, it's always been a hot button in my life when people are like, well, games, that's a waste of time. No, it's not. No, it's,
1: uh, it's, they, it's constructive. They can promote creativity. Yeah. And in fact, maybe, maybe we'll do an episode on, on what some of our favorite video games have taught us about customer education too. We absolutely should do that. Um, okay. Well, what's the next question? Question number two is uh, one we get a lot, actually. I'm always curious about your recording setup. What equipment do you use to record the podcast, Dave? I have
0: I have a lot of different things and, and that I picked up along the way. But my go-to is I have a Behringer directional microphone. You can pick up uh, Bill Couchard has a, I'll probably put this in the show notes. Um, Bill Cashard turned me on to these devices. They're real cheap. They, they don't cost a lot of money. I've got a boom mic, I've got um, you know a pop guard, and what I really love in and, and the center of my entire setup has been my Focusrite Scarlett. Um, I have a Scarlett 2i2, and um, oh, I can't remember, it's an 8 port one. They're amazing devices that make, you know, I have XLR connections, not USB. Um, it really helps. I've got great quality. I don't often have a lot of noise, uh, and it's not really all that expensive, so... great stuff and of course we use audacity
1: yeah we both use audacity to record um we are using zoom for doing our our backup recording Uh, i am on the usb mic train so i don't have the (laughs) the audio input i use a blue yeti mic Mm -hmm. um and i have it always set to the directional uh, cardioid setting
0: yeah and that's that's a key that's the first thing that people always ask when they go oh my audio sounds like crap yeah, get a decent quality mic. Go with what Adam has. You know, Blue Yetis are are great. There's a lot of mics out there. Look at what podcasters and um, mm-hmm. YouTubers use. It's Twitch Twitch streamers, not that expensive. But yeah, if you're going to invest in you, the only thing I'll say here is that if you invest in USB, make sure you get a really co- good quality mic that does filtering. Otherwise, if you get a cheap directional mic and you just stick it in via USB. The performance varies. Yeah,
1: no, I've I've enjoyed my Yeti. Um, you know, it's still all about the environment around you. Even if you set it to cardioid and directional, yeah. you still want some sort of soundproofing and sound damping. If you're doing like truly, well, not professional audio, because if you're doing truly professional audio, you have a much <laughs> fancier setup than what either you or I have. But you know, if you're if you're doing recording for e-learning or or something where you need a little bit extra um, oomph. Okay, Dave. Question yeah, number you. three. Uh, And this is number three. This is three. What are three learning objectives you would want people to master to learn about U.S. elections? Oh,
0: my God. Um, Okay. So here's my apolitical response that I was thinking about this. And a lot of the questions that keep coming up and you see out in social media are, oh, you know, this can't happen or this shouldn't happen this way because something I heard hyperbole. Right. I think I think we should all of us. This, there's nobody left out of us. Every single one of us should probably spend some time learning and refreshing civics because I admit it's been a long time.
1: Yeah. How about you? Um I think so I'm trying to like phrase it as a learning objective. By by the end of my course on uh, the US election <laughs> process, I would say uh the learner should be able to I think mine would be about the electoral college. Like the learner would be able to describe how um, votes are allocated in the Electoral College um, and ultimately how they determine the outcome of the presidential vote.
0: Yeah, I think actually we've learned a lot just by happenstance, but it would be good for us to all have a have a, a formal refresher, an e-learning course, you know, something like that.
1: Well, it's one of those things where like, you, you know, as as a, a learning professional, you often want to focus people towards the areas of high complexity. You don't want to spend a lot of time mm-hmm. telling them the things that they already know, but really try to get them right. kind of like deeper into the areas where there are the most misconceptions. And I think for me, at least like uh, you, you kind of described it earlier, there are a lot of areas where people are speculating that something is going to happen, but don't actually know what's behind it. I think the one of the most common ones is is the Electoral College. Should we pick a third one? Do you have an idea for a third learning? <laughs> yeah,
0: authority? it My vote here, you know, getting election theme, my vote would be more to talk about how to how to make sure that you can use your whole person, your whole mind to understand the options that you have looking, uh, uh, you know, discounting bias that you that we all have. I know I have bias and and being able to ascertain actual truth from from a lot of scurrilous data points.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's important, especially with, you know, so much misinformation around elections and around uh both the you know, the process and the candidates, how how to do independent research. I would I would maybe nominate one around you know, I I think again from a learning perspective, it's always helpful to provide people with um very mm-hmm. practical, actionable takeaways. So I might structure a learning objective around, you know, if you're looking to get involved in electoral politics, whether it's, you know, volunteering at the polls or helping with get out the vote, uh, efforts or voter registration, uh, like what are, what are the actionable ways that I can do that? Maybe, maybe yeah. providing a job aid or something oh. like that. That would be like super easy to access.
0: Yeah, that'd be really cool. I guess we're, we're really doubling down on the fact that we're educators and being apolitical here, but knowledge is power. Don't, don't, don't let misinformation take hold.
1: Absolutely. So a couple more questions and then we can start to move towards some reflections.
0: Yeah, let's get to the next one. I'll read this one because uh, I I really like this question. Um, Our our questioner asks or says, I just got back from visiting several national parks and spent a lot of time reading interpretive signs. You know, those little panels that tell you what you're looking at at a trail or a vista. If you, our friends, were in charge of interpretive signage at a national park, what new thing would you introduce in either content or form? Super good question.
1: Good question. Um, I think you've done more national parks than I have recently, but I, I think there's two that come to mind for me. One mm. would be, and I don't know exactly how I would implement this, but one I think is probably like accessibility considerations. Um, uh-huh. Right? So like if you're if you're at the national park and you have some sort of disability or consideration, like I I don't know that the signs like as implemented, have, um, you know, have, have designed for, for all of those use cases. So I'm sure there's there's <laughs> work to be done there. But like the the one concrete, well, thing, like,
0: like your glasses fogging up because you have a mask on and you're in an area where
1: you, know, you can't a new, see so a, well. A new, a new accessibility <laughs> consideration for some literally people
0: literally happened to me literally happened to me. It was,
1: it was <laughs> embarrassing. No, the one I can think of, though, um, that would be very easy to implement is like, or maybe not easy, but at least uh, very tangible is, you know, when you have those signs and you're looking at, um, you know, a, a, a landscape in front of you, you always have to be looking uh-huh. up and down, right? Between the landscape itself and then the sign that tells you what all the landmarks are. Well, why not make it more of like a plate glass or, or something like that, where oh. you can actually like align your viewpoint with maybe like a marker that's got like depth, depth of field in front of it um, so that you can actually kind of like look through the glass to the landmark and see information about it yeah. in front of you. Yeah, I like that. All right, What's yours, Dave?
0: Well, uh, you know me, I'm gonna take a more technology approach
1: <laughs> with an app. Uh,
0: you know, I see these apps coming out. All Trails is a really good one. Um, and it has a feature in it that I think the national park system could, maybe they even have it. So I didn't look prior to, to doing this. But what I really want is a good mobile, mobile app that is offline. Give you a give you an example. Now, Ye- I went to Yellowstone last year, and Yellowstone was amazing for a lot of the interpretive stuff. Although there's a lot of things in Yellowstone that had nothing, right? They had hmm. no marker. Uh, one of my favorite ones there was a little river that's near the North Entrance. Um, Gardner is the the town, so you go through Gardner and you're you're going up the path to the main uh, main center of Yellowstone. And there's this amazing little river, and part of it is just absolutely freezing cold and part of it is boiling hot like literally and there's a lot of people there so you talk to them like what's going on oh well this is where the springs come in and they mix and if you go sit right here it keeps you like perfectly warm and not so freezing cold Hmm, and it was amazing but there's no background on it right i want a mobile app that i can just download and i say where am i going it kicks everything on my phone and then as I'm going through, I can do an AR mode where you do like your glass thing, you know, you hold it up and I can see the landscape or I can ask for more information. It's most of what I would need would be there. Even those spurious type questions are like, well, what if, yeah, I've got that. So it's like your Wikipedia offline.
1: Yeah, that's that's super cool. I asked uh, Yishin who asked this question, what, what she would do, because uh, she's been hiking a lot of national parks recently and she said something very similar. She said she would do a, a QR code. Um, yeah. on, on the signs that would kind of give you a little bit more like context and more of like a kind of a museum, like tie in experience that's digital. So I think that's yeah. super cool.
0: But the caveat in this case, so we, we just came back from Rainier and a few a month or two ago, beautiful. It was one of the best national parks I've actually ever been to. And I could see Rainier from my house. It's just amazing experience when you're 11,000 feet up. But the problem is there is zero wifi in most of that park. Um, no. So if you did mountain? that, well, yeah, well, it's so close to the sky, there the should be Wi-Fi everywhere. <laughs> well, Starlink, you know, <laughs> Monalon, um, hundred bucks a month, something like that anyway. Um, but no, it, I would just presume offline access. I don't want offline access. I'm out in nature. I don't want to be getting emails and stuff. So if you had that QR code, it should be geared up to work with offline. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, and also I want something to remind me to get gas because <laughs> yes, <laughs> the one fair, thing fair that right. I, the freak out moment I had is I'm, I'm way up on the mountain. I'm coming down the slope. There's no guardrails on a lot of those hills. I'm running out of gas. I'm starting to freak out.
1: Yeah. And especially once you're in the parks <laughs> and there, you know, there's no gas for miles at a time. Yeah. I, I hear that one. Okay. Last question for this round and then we'll, we'll share some reflections. We'll come back and do another round of questions. Uh, if cool. you weren't leaders in the customer education field, what would you want to lead?
0: Uh, you want to start off with this one?
1: Uh, yes, uh, a rock band. Or I guess if I a had to pick band. something in in the working world, I don't know. Like, I, I love being a customer education leader. Uh, if if yeah. I had to pick a parallel field to be a leader, I, I think I would probably be unqualified to do it. I'd, I'd probably need to work my way up through the ranks, but, but probably one of the the fields that's kind of uh, a relative of customer education, like customer success or, or product marketing, oh, yeah. customer marketing. Like, I think those would be fun too.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a track going upwards, you know, professional services, um, you know, getting into customer success and leading customer success. I, I would advocate for that. That, that would be really good because I think the DNA of customer success doesn't include enough people with an educational background. A lot of people come in, and either they're new or they come in from like sales or something. Maybe I'm getting that wrong, but yeah, that's yeah, cool.
1: Okay, what would you okay. lead, Dave?
0: Um, I, I I want to have a little amb- ambiguity here because you know my career has been odd. I start off as a scientist, but then I've done, I've been a web developer. Or I've had my own business. I've run gaming events for big companies. I, I I'm a startup person. So for me, it would be an easy, it, kind of like what you're saying about product, I lean towards I'd really love to be in development of a product from scratch. And I feel like having the background of education would change my thinking about developing that product. Yeah, Because I think a common thing, product product developers or product teams don't necessarily consider because you get and This isn't a net. This is reality. You get really busy, and you get really focused, and you lose attention on the customer and what they're actually trying to do. And you think, "Oh, my product is easy to learn." And it's
1: not. Of course, so, yeah. So it's so really, really one. good to bring that insight. Plus, you're you're uh, you're a product geek. You love understanding how love how technology geek. works.
0: Yeah. The other thing I really, really, really want to do mm-hmm. is be a YouTube influencer of some sort. Yeah, like um, the the Paul Brothers. <sighs> Yeah, maybe I I I really like Joe Rogan. Uh, Duncan Trussell is doing a good job. There's you know there's a ton of podcasts out there and people that do it more full time. Uh, it's it's just really interesting. The the fact the and I'll get to why as we get into reflections. Uh, now let me just cut it off there because so maybe I can explain a little bit why I love that and why it's really cool.
1: Well, yeah, let's let's do that. So we wanted to to share some reflections and both of us will, but. Dave, you're taking the first segment just to to reflect a little bit on on the past two years and what some of your observations have been.
0: Yeah, um, I think you scaffold a really good framework for us, Adam, to talk about like the breadth, the arc of what we've been doing over the past two years. And you know we want to talk about, okay, what's it been like been doing? what has been like for us to do the podcast together? Who are the kinds of people that we really value that we've spoken to? I'd say all of them, but I'll break that down a little bit more in my opinions. Uh, where have we been? What conferences do we go to? Uh, what was our career transition during this entire phase? Things we've enjoyed the most, and you know where we where we've seen our industry, our our new category go. Uh, so let me back into that by saying, first, uh, I'm kind of blown away. You know, you and I started the first time we really talked. I think was at Sedma, right? And. It was just one of those fortuitous happenings where I, I want to talk to you, and you're like, I want to talk to you. Let's go talk, and we talked, and and kept kept that dialogue going, and and then we decided to start this podcast. It's it, this is one of the things that I really value in my life, and it brings me energy to be able to set myself aside with a friend and a you know a partner to say we're we're learning, right? We're learning together, and we're open and. And sometimes you do things that I really value, like you say, no, I think you're wrong on that, and let's struggle through this. Or hey, that's a good idea, let's double down on that. Having having that kind of journey to explore this space has been refreshing. It's just been really cool. Um, in that is, this is a new category, right? So the kind of people that we've been interacting and, and asking to join us on this journey have been those that we've we've often had parallel journey with too. You know, I, I, I can think of some of the people that, um, I, I I'm going to give Bill Kashard a first call out because if it weren't for him, I don't think I would be doing this at all. I know how you feel about that, but he's just kind of been a, that ally, um, Definitely. that it, he was doing it, right. He's, he's podcasting, he's doing stuff. And I remember talking to him like, I'd really like to try YouTube and I, and I want to do my own podcast. And he was always there to help always. Um, so bill i I really appreciate you for that. Um, but there's a few other people indeed um, I think one of the one of the uh, eye opening podcasts that we did was the the one with wendy Hamilton that that i I facilitated, and you know, I should get over this, but when you're when you're talking above the line with senior leadership, and in this case, she's the CEO you have that first moment of oh wow i'm talking to the head of this company that's a great company and who am i to be talking with a, a person of this you know ilk but ceos are people too right <laughs> we're all in this journey together and the, the fact that we're the way that we've structured this podcast has been really great where i I, am, I really appreciate the ability of i have a message we have a message and i can clearly engage with most anybody to discuss the market and you know, Wendy's episode was great. We talked about a lot of cool things. This was some great insights. Other people I super valued. And and if I don't mention you in this podcast and I talk to you, don't think don't think any less of it because every every one of you has been really important. We've had great every single podcast, every single interview has been amazing. Uh, Linda Schwaber-Cohen, I wanna call you out as a great friend and ally. It's been fun talking with you. Uh, Donna Weber, you know, we, we've talked at length several times at some virtual walk and talks recently. It's been great. Um, I'll talk about Daniel quick. I didn't get to run to, to work with that interview, but I've talked with Daniel online a lot. Uh, and then uh, last but not least, I would say Maria Manning Chapman, uh, if you're listening, I'm speaking to you. Thank you so much for really bringing us into your universe of educational services and thinking about TSIA's uh, engagement. I all of these discussions have opened my mind a lot, challenged me to think about what we're doing, but opened a stage of a conversation. So it's uh, that's been exciting. And, and I guess I should... Uh, we could talk a little bit more about stuff. I'm just going to go through my, my points, Uh, job changes. You know, I was at Gainsight, then I moved to Azuqua, then I moved to outreach. It's been a wild ride and you could talk to yours too, but it's, we've seen, you and I both seen three different, totally different environments. And that's also helped. And in my perspective, I think it's been a little crazy. It's, Wow. Okay, I'm here, and these are the things I deal with. And I get, you know, when when I was at Gainside, I saw the world one way, and then I shifted to a much smaller company, and I saw the world a completely different way in a much more technical way. And then I went to Outreach, and now I'm learning about sales, and it's something I, I've always wanted to learn about, but I've never done. And it's also technology. So these have helped me, and it, you know, I don't necessarily encourage that you job change a lot, but if you're up and coming, getting into this field, trying to learn things, this is a great way to do it. You know, you don't necessarily want to seek out another job when you have an amazing one, but you should have your mind open and talk about those opportunities. um, Because you never know whether they're going to make a life altering change for you. Um, And then finally, the last thing I'll wrap on is like, where has customer education gone? In the last two years alone, Adam, I would say this, I feel very strongly that we as a network of customer education professionals have declared customer education as a thing. It is a category. It's its own market. It's a small one. But I think that's clearly in in my mind, that's clearly differentiated from two, three, four years ago. And in those cases, you know, several years ago, we didn't know what we were, we knew what we were doing, but we couldn't really label it concretely. We talked customer education. Now I think the differentiation is, I mean, you see all of our peers and, and vendors and other entities alike are starting to be able to say, and, and we're doing this intentionally, this is what customer education is. And now we're getting the gravitas and the people and the network around that. It's not our thing. It's our group's thing. It's come a long way to maturing. So I, don't, I think we have a long way to go, but I'm very, very optimistic.
1: Yeah, I, That's it. I I am too. Thank you, Dave, for, for sharing your reflections. And I'll have a moment to, to share mine later as well. I, I agree with you in a lot of areas, so I don't know if uh, mine will be even as long as yours. It'll, it'll probably be a <laughs> lot of, I agree with Dave. But uh, we're, we're uh, segmenting this out, so we're going to return to our fun, random uh, Q&A. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's fun. Question six. Dave, if you were to acquire a new non-work related skill, what would it be? I want to learn Ableton live. Ableton
0: live is a digital audio workstation. I don't know nothing about it. I love music. I miss music. And it's, I, I listen to a lot of, I listen to a lot of like, uh, well, Soma FM is one of my favorite networks, uh, ambient, electronic, kind of sometimes dance, sometimes trance, I just love to be able to look at that and say, I could make this whole thing by myself and have so much fun. So that's what I want to learn.
1: Yeah, I think for me, it would be um, similar. It would be music and audio production uh, or guitar. Mm-hmm. I've I've I, oh, I guitar. very poorly play guitar. I'd like to be able to play it well. You should do that. Learn the ukulele too. It's always
0: fun. We could have, we could have our own little intro version <laughs> on ukulele.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but uh, <laughs> guitar for sure. okay next question is kind of the opposite right if you were to unlearn something what would it be and why why don't you leave because i'm still thinking this is a hard one for me i let's see okay i think the thing i would unlearn is i have a habit of of interrupting people and uh i'm i'm definitely um long-winded sometimes when i talk so i think i would unlearn my habit of like interrupting people or just like speaking for, for the sake of speaking and like learn more, a more practiced way of kind of like just stopping and listening.
0: I I like that. And that's been a recurrent theme as I've, you know, talked with people and I've been reflective and gone through performance reviews. It doesn't really come up as a performance issue, but I think, I would. I'm resonate. I resonate with this because I think I have the problem. Both both you and I are vocal and outspoken, and I feel like that almost comes in like when, for example, I, I was in a meeting with my leaders the other day or earlier today, and I wasn't speaking up. they are like, "Well, what, are you okay, Dave?" Like, is you're usually pretty vertical. I'm like, "No, I'm actually listening." I'm, I'm li-. and actually, I would. I would in speaking to that. This is, kind of a, this is kind of an unlearn. I think I tend to like just try to solve problems, and I try to work on things quickly, and, and like, then you want to fill the void, right? And I would like to unlearn that feeling of having to deliver so fast mm-hmm. to allow myself the moment to allow the knowledge and information to flood in, yeah. And to process. It. Kind of like it, get,
1: get in the problem yeah. before you solve the problem.
0: Yeah. I've been doing more meditation every morning. My family, we all, all of us, including the kids, we have meditation time every morning. And at first I'm like, ah, I don't know about this. And then I realized how much of a change it is to, to open up the space.
1: Yeah. I I love that.
0: Um, let me take the next one. Um, how about this? What drives you Adam and Dave every day? You know, lots of people, have certain rituals or things that they do to serve their lives nor, as their lives, North star or beacon that helps them in their work and their personal lives. So I'm interested in hearing what's yours. So Adam, what's your North star, oh, what's your beacon? Such
1: a big question. I, I think for me, like what drives me every day is the idea of, of doing things that are, you know, that are innovative and making the the world or the industry around me you know better better than I found it, but also doing it in a way that's that's substantial so mm-hmm. I kind of I guess in some ways like what I what I usually wake up thinking is like how can we how can we build great things together
0: yeah and by we it could be any group that you're engaged with right
1: yeah it's not just my team at slack or it's not just you and I working on this podcast but That's that's what I think. And some and I'm not always the person who's going to lead that. Like sometimes I'm part of a group contributing to a group that's that's doing great things together and building great things together. And it could be in in personal life, too.
0: Yeah. And that's sometimes hard because I struggle with this in in the context of I'm a leader and I know I'm a leader, but I'm also a doer and it and and if i were to unlearn thing and going back to unlearn one thing to unlearn is that as you transition from an ic to a manager and i've done this back and forth several times you've got to let go learn to let go of that that l- not letting other people do the work yeah right yep um i'd have to say for me this is a, this is hard to like peel apart but i've done a lot of work about this uh, i know i've taken a lot of surveys, you know, i I understand my Myers-Briggs type. Uh, there are a couple other ones that are out there right now. I'm an innovator. I, I, I like to ideate. I like to build. And what drives me is we, anybody I'm working with have a big audacious goal. It's something super challenging, something that's going to be hard, something that's technically difficult, and we know that the value is going to be tremendous or we have a good hunch. And I, I think that this is why we work well together, that I really love to come up with that big vision and then do whatever, do whatever necessary within reason to get to that goal.
1: Yeah, I think you and I complement each other in that sense. Like we both value building and innovation, but we also take different approaches to it. Like I think, mm-hmm. you know, like you mentioned, like you love having the big idea you love thinking about the big meaty challenge and then for me i think i approach it a little bit more at, like i'm an editor at heart i yeah i am uh I, I like to think about how to trans, translate things into execution and how to break them down into steps and how to take like a very pragmatic approach towards building those things
0: i value that a lot that questioning approach is and you know me i'll talk out loud or i'll say hey what if and i'll throw a bunch of ideas together and you're always super valuable at saying hey wait a minute hey dingleberry (laughs) do you know how much time that's gonna take and I'm like oh yeah but what if and then but but you know, we're all it underscores that we're all kind of like different team members, and each leader has their own way of doing and going about things.
1: Yeah, and and what I would say to our audience too, if you haven't done something like this, is is to do a personal values activity. Um, I know I've mm-hmm. done that in my own coaching, and it's been super helpful for me just to clarify, like when I think about what my what my main values are um, and why I value them, and how I take those into my work in my life. Like it's it's been a super clarifying activity, and it's also helped me make big. Decisions in my life and in my career.
0: Yeah, you know something I would advocate for. There's an there's an app um, and a platform called Crystal Nose. Mm-hmm. and it's C R Y S T A L K N O W S, not N O S E um, dot com. Super fun, and they do all the things, uh, and they will tell it will tell you like have an Enneagram approach and a personality graph, and and they do your Myers Briggs. Uh, go check it out. It as a leader or even a practitioner, it's really important to you to know how. You work so that you can interface with others a lot better.
1: Absolutely. Which actually brings me to the next question. What words do you say too much? Uh, and is oh this gosh. common with others, you know, in customer education? Mine actually is absolutely. Uh, after As I listen to myself <laughs> on this podcast, I become acutely aware of how often I say the word absolutely. And now um, maybe some of our listeners won't be able to unhear that either. Dave, what's yours? <laughs>
0: I recognize I say that a lot, too, because I think it's a really positive, affirming statement. Um, Well, there's one. Um, uh, uh, I say that, you know. Yeah, I say that. Okay. That's another one. Mm -hmm.
1: Just those filler words.
0: Yeah. um, you, You recall Evan Liberta. I do. Uh, he, he's my team member that runs our certification program. He and I actually got really intrigued, and we were working with an HR person at Gainsight, and we were talking about this very thing. And, and she had said, what if you go to Toastmasters, and what if you challenge yourself as trainers and educators and instructional designers to take all that out of your language? And we actually used an idea around that where we did internal betas and prototypes but we had people do the Toastmasters thing where they marked off our ums and our ahs and challenged us to become better. It was, it was kind of brutal. I would (laughs) be so stressed out the entire time. (laughs) Well, if stress isn't part of your day, you know, it don't get as sharp edged.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dave, I'm going to ask you this question um, because this is, this is really a question for you, not for me. Uh, Three tech partnerships or integrations that need to happen in the next year. And one that hopefully never happens because it would be a dumpster fire or detriment to all that is good in the world. Good God. <laughs> You're the integrations guy.
0: You know, I started thinking about this and I I, I don't have clear answers, so I'm gonna talk my way through it. But one of the things that I know we have to figure out, now I am going to be talking to you as vendors, my friends and our peers who have products like this. Um One of the biggest problems I have as I start going up market in building a program is I get an enablement person at a company, you know, big company X, whatever. I don't know what company they are, but they say, Dave, can I get an export of all of the training records for my team? Okay. I do this pretty frequently. You can automate it. There's ways to do it, but you know what I really want an integration I'd really love to have. And this would take some, uh, hubris, I think on a lot of companies, I want to wait for one LMS to talk to another LMS. I want it to be able to transition the records, not the content, um, so that enablement people can say, oh, yeah, my people are going through stuff and I don't have to go ask you for anything. And I know Skillshare has a tool for this where you can actually have, uh, as a customer, log in and see those records. But I'm not quite, I want to go further. So if we can have an integration point that helps to bring stuff back in other systems. And I'm not talking SCORM. I'm just talking the data. I would love to see it's that. It's part,
1: part of the use case behind XAPI, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. But, you know, maybe we need to, to get our friend, um, oh, gosh, why am I blanking on her name? Megan we talked to her last. Megan. Maybe we need to get Megan and extend an invite to Megan. Megan, if you're listening, it would be nice to talk with you about how, because in customer education, we're not quite ready to go to the SCORM level always. We're not ready to inv- invoke XAPI, but we can be.
1: Yeah, and I'm there. I'm gonna, I'm um, gonna extend an invitation actually to any practitioner in customer indeed. education. If you are doing really interesting things with XAPI for customer education specifically, I would love to have you on the show.
0: Yeah, indeed. Uh, well, I think are there any things that pop to mind for you?
1: Uh, no, I don't. I don't have uh, a lot of great tech partnerships or integration ideas. Okay. I can tell you that
0: more more of the things that I'm thinking of that I really would like to implement, and I know that there's ways to do it L- let's talk pendo walk me um digital adoption platforms use. yeah, um I feel like these are for me, and this I'm not speaking for everybody for me, I feel like they're impenetrable and and they're complicated for me because I'm often not the one implementing them, so at, at least. No, at all three companies I've worked for, somebody else in product, product, marketing, customer success has owned that platform. I don't get it. I mean, I kind of get it. But for me, engaging, having the intervention in platform is something that I really want to do. Now, I know that there's, uh, there's other companies out there that are, are doing some pretty amazing stuff. You know, like... Um, Oh, gosh, I'm trying to think about my friend that we interviewed earlier on, Mason Le- Levy at Swivel, uh, AI platforms to to help. It, it, basically, what I'm after is I want to learn more about microlearning. I know there's apps out there, but I would love some more integrative flow between my educational content and my LMS and a microlearning platform. I don't want to really maintain multiple platforms. I want something that synergizes and seamlessly integrates everything together and then even ideally puts that somewhere in context of my application. So people aren't hunting and pecking and going everywhere. Um, a third thing I'd really love to see is, and I've seen this and you did it before it Optimizely. Um, I want more, uh, what do we call that? Federated mm-hmm. content. Yeah. Um, because it keeps coming up. Somebody's lost. They don't know where to go. And they're over in support somewhere. Well, I need to get them back. Right. You could do that through links and navs, and you did a really great job at Optimizely to solve that problem. Did you do that with a platform, or was that a not native JavaScript type overlay solution?
1: You no, know, Dave. We're we're getting awfully on topic on this uh, this podcast. It's supposed to be fun, off topic. Oh, questions. I'm sorry.
0: Well, hey, you know, but this is uh, this is a question on customer. This is integration <laughs> and partnerships. To
1: me, that's how I interpret it. We we had we had three separate platforms. We had an LMS, a knowledge based platform, and a community platform. They were all all three separate platforms with a federated search um, yeah. that was solar solar search powered as the standard, um, and then a lot of uh, CSS to kind of unify the the theming and branding and navigation yeah
0: okay you went off-topic you went off-topic I want uh, give, give, give me off the topic. give me
1: the off-topic dumpster fire what's the dumpster all fire right. one you don't want to see
0: um oh don't want to see yeah what's one you don't oh, want to see I was gonna give you one okay, I did give me one, see one you first. do want to see I want and then we'll move on I want steam humble bundle EA Xbox to integrate one login so I can play all my games from one place
1: amazing love it
0: all right dumpster fire jeez what shouldn't happen? Um, Parlor Facebook integration? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving on. There's our cold open. Moving on.
0: <laughs> <sighs> oh, my Deep God. Breaths. I got to take a breath now. Deep breath. It's, it, it's time now, Adam, for you to reflect. So, as you're breathing deeply, what, what do you think about it? The, the arc of the past two years. We're at 50 episodes. That's three X where, you know, four X basically where we could have been at 12 where most people churn out.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess I'll say first and foremost, I'm really happy that we, we kept doing this. Um, I think it's been a really fun partnership working with you, Dave, and and exploring all these concepts together. And I also think it's interesting just thinking about the arc of, of the podcast we started with our old hypothesis-based episodes. I hope we'll come back to do some of those and dig into some, some meaty topics together. Um, but a lot of that was based on, you know, you and I sharing a lot of the things that we had done up to that point as customer education leaders and, you know, some of the myths and misconceptions that we had run into uh, and trying to share those with other folks who maybe were coming into the field or hadn't worked uh, at companies like the ones we were working at. And it kind of evolved over time, where we started to do more interviews, uh, we started talking to more practitioners yeah. and leaders. This year, we did the CEO series. And I think that some of my favorite episodes, when when I think about this, actually, were were episodes where, where I learned something new. Um, so you mentioned, you know, Evan, <laughs> I loved that episode, just interviewing Evan on the power of certifications, and how he was thinking about doing some of those things. Uh, yeah. Or even you know when we when we talked to Matt Mulholland and he shared his views on you know why he thinks a lot of customer education is boring and and what he was doing to solve those. I just I love learning new things, seeing how other people are doing it, and you know I don't want to cannibalize the the section at the end where we talk about what's what's coming up. But I hope we'll do yeah. a lot more of that. And I think my my views of the industry and. You know the conferences we've been to. I, I really appreciate that we've been able to, you know, go out to um, DevLearn and SkillJar Connect and Thought Industries Cognition and Sedma Conference. Like we've we've been to quite a few of them. But more than that, I'm just really happy to see the the presence of customer education as as a discipline growing over time. It's been super rewarding to see more conferences, more chances to connect, more people coming into the community, and. And in general, just seeing how this this field has grown, I feel really honored to to be a part of it and to be you know, for us to kind of be a, a voice in in the industry. Yeah. And like like you and I have mentioned, um, we've we've both been through some job changes, right? You and I started where you were at Gainsight, I was at Optimizely. Um I was a Checker in the interim, you were at Azuqua, mm-hmm. and then you went to Outreach, I went to Slack. So just you know, I think for for us, again, just being on these parallel journeys where we continue to learn new things and then also try to share them back with the community. And, and I think it's been cool. It's been a way for us to work out loud. I like that work
0: out loud. That's a, that's almost a a t T-shirt worthy comment.
1: <laughs> well, I I can't take credit for it. I don't remember who first introduced me to the idea of working out loud. But I think, you know, for anyone who's who's doing the work, just sharing what you're doing as you're doing it is super important. And that's really part of what we're trying to do with, with this podcast too. Yeah. Okay. Dave, this will be an exercise in conciseness because we're back to Q and a, we got some really good (laughs) short questions from people. So let's do a lightning round. Uh, We've done lightning rounds before. And as always, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to keep the responses short and sweet, but the catch is again, these questions are all pretty off the wall. So uh,
0: Cool. cool. Okay. Love it.
1: Dave, which book are you reading now?
0: I'm reading Osho, The Book of Understanding, and I'm also finishing Michael Allen's Guide to E-Learning.
1: Cool. I'm reading uh, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, uh, and next I'm going to be reading Americana.
0: Ooh, neat. Yeah. We won't exposition. What's the last movie or show you watched, Adam?
1: Uh, I have just finished rewatching Archer.
0: <laughs> oh, good. Uh, we just finished, uh, we're going to a mar- uh, Marvel um, mcu rewatch so we finished the dark world thor uh, and we were tearing back through psych which is a great series now, which you
1: keep referencing to me when, when i went to santa barbara you, you told went me to santa them. barbara i'm like did you go see where sean and gus did this And i'm like i don't know who those people are do, are those my friends do i know them okay dave it should be what is an ice cream flavor you'd never eat anchovies and cream <laughs> i had to make it related <laughs> but God, come on. (laughs) Um, Okay. I I would never eat the uh, poo flavored yogurt from Nathan for you. (laughs) Uh, Everyone watch Nathan for you. That's a brilliant show.
0: Oh my God. Okay. What cartoon character do you most closely identify with? Oh
1: gosh. I don't know. Dave, what's yours? I
0: thought about this. I, I, I thought Dexter from Dexter's laboratory oh that's a good one
1: um i'm gonna go with uh oh oh no uh dr orpheus from the venture brothers
0: oh oh that's a good yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) what what was okay dave what was your favorite band in seventh grade genesis mine was i didn't actually listen to a lot of bands i was kind of a late bloomer when it came to like rock music so i was probably listening to like musical soundtracks like something from lloyd weber uh all right
0: yeah For, favorite game to
1: play uh i am playing final fantasy 12 right now mm,
0: good choice How about you? So the remastered the what remastered platform? one yeah on on um uh, nintendo
1: on the switch yeah
0: oh, yeah cool I am I have to say I have a, an, an absolute addiction to slay the spire. Uh only second is civilization. Somebody got me back into that again. Darn you, Sean. Darn you, Jim. <laughs>
1: <laughs> when does All it right. stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny?
0: Yeah, these days who goes outside?
1: Yeah, okay, we'll take that as the answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's COVID.
0: Uh why does grape flavor smell the way it does when actual grapes don't taste or smell anything like that
1: This is an answer for the flavor industrial complex
0: flavor industrial complex All I can think of when I when I read this question is hubba bubble grape hubba bubba bubblegum grape or uh, yeah grape fanta or something like that grape drink what what are we thinking about?
1: I think, you know, the earlier, probably the earlier an artificial flavor was invented, the less technology they had to make it taste like the actual thing that it's supposed to represent.
0: And yeah, well, like red dye, which number five or something that got people amped up.
1: Yeah, like stuff like that. And so and so probably people got used to those artificial flavors. And so like artificial grape now has to taste like artificial grape if they made one that tastes <laughs> like real grape. Um, it would probably just like people wouldn't people wouldn't like it because it'd be weird and confusing to them. Yeah, that's
0: fun. All right, next question. Next question. Um, oh, I like this. Is a pessimist blood type B negative? Oh, get out of here with that. <laughs> See, you always talk about me being positive. I'm an i opo- I'm O positive. So
1: <laughs> well, I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to be positive about this one, but move on. Uh, what um, what house would you be in at Hogwarts?
0: Um uh, the test I took showed I'm unfortunately or fortunately Slytherin. They're not all bad. I think they're just motivated.
1: <laughs> I think I think I'm Ravenclaw.
0: Cool, yeah? It's a good mix. Uh, favorite TV show in the nineties? Ooh. Been a while. What's yours, Dave? My my mine's X Files, hands down. I love that show.
1: I'm trying to think of one from the 90s. What was that it, I is it 90s though? You know, X Files was 90s, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, hard for me to think of one on the top of my head. N- Daria, I don't know.
0: That was good. The 90s. Beavis
1: and Butthead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Adam. No, no, we're not doing it. Hey, <laughs> do, do you leave your camera on in a Zoom meeting if you're eating? Sometimes. Uh, same.
0: Depends on who I'm I'm around. If if we're having a lunch and learn or just hanging out, I'll leave it on.
1: Okay, this next one's a very loaded question. Hmm, How can you? How can someone possibly enjoy cats more than dogs? That's really biased. Yeah, I don't like I don't like the construction of this question.
0: (coughs) Uh, If if anybody, if those who wrote this uh, are more dog biased than cat biased, you need to meet my cat Pippin. He is a, a ragdoll, and he's the just chillest cat I've ever seen. Everybody keeps saying, well, it's the most dog-like cat I think is around.
1: Apparently, their brains are more similar to humans than dogs are. Cats? Cats, yeah. They're,
0: they're often jerks, but it's, I, I kind of like that.
1: <laughs> right, you have to <laughs> Keep earn you on your toes. it. That, I think that's it. You have to earn it with a cat.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you don't get love on spec. All right, here's a, here's a really good one. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Adam, what is your take? Hot take on hot dogs.
1: <laughs> hot take on hot dogs. Uh, no, I don't think a hot dog is a sandwich. There's a, there's a site that you can go to. And I, now I don't there's remember the name of the site. Dog. We'll have to put it in the, the show notes. But they basically <laughs> detail every different type of configuration of meat and bread and the number of sides on which the, uh, the meat is surrounded. And so... If it's surrounded on three sides, uh, it's a taco, not a sandwich. (laughs) Or a chalupa. That's a fried taco. (laughs) Okay. Okay, what's your answer? Um,
0: You know, I looked it up. I'd say no, because if you look up the strict definition, it's food consisting of two pieces of bread with meat, cheese, or other filling between them eaten as a light meal. So... It depends on whether you in, in whether that bun is cut in half.
1: Okay, I just looked it up by the way. It's cube rule.com, cube rule. So it's the cube okay. rule. Visualizes every food as a cube. Wow. Uh, what about a tesseract? <laughs> Dave, what what do you always spell wrong? Um Jeez. Hmm, For me it's exercise. I always have to double check myself on the word exercise. Exercise. I probably every I get caught
0: up in like the i before e stuff sometimes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, it usually I work it out by you know, looking at it just a minute longer, but I would say like there and you know stuff like that.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: I thought that re- that question said why do you always spell wrong? Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know why. I thought it was calling okay, me out. Okay, so, so spelling isn't the problem. It's reading.
0: It's reading, apparently. <laughs> Words are hard. You always say it. Words are hard. Words are hard. I get that from Evan. I got to give him attribution. Um, okay, all right, let me read this next one because I love it. Let's say I have a startup called SynergyScape. What kind of business am I? Uh, fraud. <laughs> i thought it was a modular landscaping firm so, All
1: like, right. i don't know <laughs> last, last question <laughs> i love it if you had to create a show for netflix about the interaction of u.s elections and customer education what would the title be it could be tragedy or comedy
0: Did you come up with anything glib on this one
1: no like i don't have going it. I'm, it I'm gonna have them. to make one up on the spot the interaction of U.S. elections and customer education. Oh, well, okay. So okay. we got to do
0: an analysis then. Like, well, so are we ta- are we thinking about the the voter as the customer? And what's the product?
1: <laughs> so we could ask all Bad those choices. questions. We could do, we could do our patty <laughs> model on this whole thing, but I, I have come up with a title and I think it's going to be relevant. It, it's going to be right, called, uh, it, it'll be like a documentary and it'll be called A Lot to Learn. That's, that's good
0: thank you actually it's really good i like that
1: (laughs) all right so why don't we share a few thoughts for the next year of c-lab
0: yay okay all right we wanted to talk about this for a long time yeah let's do it
1: okay so dave Uh, let's let's share a little bit what what are we thinking when we think about the next year of c-lab and and the podcast specifically what are we planning for for the podcast
0: well table stakes if you like or hate that term i kind of like it um i'm hungry too We want to talk with a lot more practitioners and leaders, both and. What I mean by that, and those of you I've had conversations with recently, um, one of the things that I like to do, and Adam, I think you do as well sometimes, is uh, if you're listening right now, chances are you know something we don't. And I think the biggest strength and the biggest value that – this venture that we have going is here to bring to us is to network and connect and find the others, right? We keep saying that find the others, get out there and, and, and network. So I feel like we still have a lot of people, a lot of you to connect with. If you're new to this show and you want to talk, let's talk. We are actively looking for, uh Hey, let's, let's talk about leadership. One of the things I, I want and I'll vote for is I, want, I would really like to talk with strong customer success leaders mm-hmm. coming into the next year. And the reason I say that, Adam, is because I feel like customer success is the, is the organization that benefits first and foremost from the work we do every day. And you even say it in your book, you know, the scale engine of customer success. But I also feel like we're not resonating yet with that market.
1: There's still a lot of opportunity for customer success and customer education to to converge and to really work together. So, yeah, we'll definitely be talking to more customer success leaders.
0: Yeah, and practitioners, um, I, I'll complete my thought. So we've talked a lot about uh, certification. Um, you know, I, I would like to talk more with people that have split the line with enablement, for example. Uh, like sales there, there's enablement? Just yeah. Um, and there's somebody that I know that I work with pretty closely that is, she's really great. She has a really great background, but we want to open up more. We want to talk to you, but we also want to have a good resonating theme with our entire market. So yeah, that's, that's big. Yeah. What I, else we got? What, yeah, I think, what I think, think so.
1: Like, you, you know, you kind of called it out. We spent a lot of this year talking to leaders and talking to CEOs uh, I think it'll be great to open it up and, and talk to more practitioners. At the same time, I think it'll also be fun to go up the funnel a little bit. So uh, mm-hmm. hopefully in the coming year, we'll also uh, talk to some venture capitalists, uh, some of the VCs who are investing in yeah. customer education products and uh, you know, kind of the post-sales experience.
0: You know, to, to speak to this directly, and I'm not going to call out the actual equity firm that we were talking about, but um, someone came to me and said, hey, this this firm wants to talk and learn about how we're addressing our customer journey through education. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that's freaking phenomenal. And actually I, I was talking with a friend of mine who's a VC person. He's starting a new organ, new, uh, firm. And he and I did a podcast a long time ago. His name is Kellen Carter. And VC is very interested in education because they know maybe, maybe others should cue in on this that we're always we're always learning and we can't learn a product. You can't assume that the product is going to be well designed even with our best intents. We're always going to have a need for education.
1: Yeah. Uh especially now with COVID kind of accelerating especially. uh you know the switch to online learning. I think we're we're seeing more investment there. So it'll be interesting to to hear a little bit there. And uh I think we'll also probably experiment with some new formats.
0: Yeah. I've got some ideas I'd like to try out and we'll talk more, but, you know, even for interviews and such, um, it, it, there's, there's a lot of room. So, you know, talk to us, uh, email us, uh, reach out to us. We're, we're, we're wanting to work on it. You know, we have, I also, uh, I was talking with, um uh, the friend of ours recently and she had mentioned, we should consider working with product, product marketing and, and product leads in, in peel apart how a product team thinks about the education process too.
1: Yeah, that is, that's fair. So good. Hopefully we'll talk to a lot more folks. I I also think you'll probably see some returns to form in terms of us cracking the old hypothesis format out. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, lots, lots of fun to come. How about in the industry, Dave, any thoughts about what, what we should look forward to there next year?
0: Yeah, I feel like our industry is, is kind of lurching forward into really grappling with the education thing. But it's slowly, and it's in fits and starts. So uh, cur- purely, we've seen, um, and we just did an episode. The last episode, forty-nine, was about the conferences that are happening, which actually are speaking to us now. And I know you and I both see this: that the vendors and the organizers that of these conferences are now questioning what their approach is, and they're they're seeing the the. The dire need to understand our space because we are not education services first and foremost. We are customer education, which somewhat aspires to be an education services team, but it also does another thing. So I'm th- I'm starting to see that the industry is is beginning to grapple with this. I think it's going to take all of us. So if you're listening to this and you're an edu- a customer education leader. Make sure you're armed with the definition of what customer education is and make sure that you're sharing that with leaders. Uh, I'll call out um, some of our network or our Slack channel network is starting to do like pitches uh, to talk about how we can practice to get better to do ab- an above the line discussions. So it's being heard, we're being seen and now I think it's time for us to be a- included.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think we'll see a lot more of that as time goes on. We'll see more of a, kind of a maturation of the the customer education space as such um yeah. and i think there'll be more we'll, we'll start to see more methodologies like i think one that was one trend coming out of the past yeah. few conferences we saw and some of the releases from from the vendors like there's just going to be a lot more discussion about what the customer education uh program is and what the the roles within customer education are i think we'll see more more definition there and hopefully we'll continue to see uh, an evolution of the technology I hope that they all become easier to use a little bit more uh, consumer grade even though they're enterprise products um, and hopefully some consolidation or at least more more partnerships among some of the the vendors in various related spaces so hopefully mm-hmm. we will see more LMSs team up with certification vendors uh, and assessment platforms and uh, you know even even community and knowledge bases hopefully we'll, we'll kind of jump on the train as well in product yeah, education, I'd like digital adoption, right? Like I hope they'll all come together. I hope so. I'd also like to see
0: our certification universe um, uh, adopt some changes that fit more with what we need. Uh, what I mean by that is, you know, I'm going high stakes. I think you are too. It gets, it's difficult. It would really be nice to have a nice middling sweet spot where, you know, you have the the advantages of a proctored platform, but you don't have the rigor, the same a need for rigor.
1: Yeah, exactly. For for those who are doing like middle stakes certifications. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was another thought I had about, you know, the conferences in general are really great. We're starting to see that. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, one last one that just popped into my head just now, but I've thought about it before, is I, I think about organizations like Payscale, for, for uh, an example. I think we need to do more of a level setting of what titles are, because this has been a big question. What role, what people do I hire? What are their titles going to be? Mm -hmm. You know, what roles do they fill? I think we've started that conversation, but I would like to make it a lot easier for an HR recruiter to go, oh, yeah, this job title is out there and it's an industry standard and, you know, like Payscale does a lot of this, like competitive salaries, but they also do job titles. There's other organizations that do it too. I'd like to see a little bit more structure around what we call ourselves because, uh, you know, the the question comes to mind for me all the time. Is an instructional designer in customer education the same as an instructional designer in the real world? Same goes for a trainer. I
1: don't know what you think about that. I don't know what you mean by the real world, but yeah, no, I think think we will see. We'll see more of that. Uh, Yeah, and I think the last thing that I would call out over the next year is, you know, for for us in C-Lab, we've been doing a lot of podcasting, we've been doing article writing, you know, you can check out a lot of the work that we've done on customer.education, our site, and we'll continue working out loud. But I also just want to acknowledge that the community has grown so much. And we're so appreciative Mm -hmm. for everyone that we've heard, uh, you know, from you know, at conferences, through Sedma and other organizations, the Customer Education Slack channel, LinkedIn, like all the places where we see the work done. We are learning so much and and, and seeing so much. Um, so I really wanted to share just a sincere thanks to those who are, who are really doing the work and creating and growing innovative programs and, and sharing it with others, because I think ultimately that's what's helping the Customer Education discipline grow and mature.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I want to add on one thing to that. Adam is that if you're listening and you're doing that kind of work, feel free to reach out to us. Like we don't own the space, but we do connect, and, and we we want to we want to understand where you're coming from. It might warrant a discussion, maybe at a podcast episode. You know, we talked about Daniel Quick. You were talking just a moment about frameworks and things that are coming out to really help um, getting folks like Daniel Quick back on the show to talk about that would be really great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, we're
0: coming into the final Q&A. Yeah. Do you want to go through a few more quick questions? A few more. We'll, we'll do
1: Yeah. We'll do three questions and then we'll close out. So Dave, what methods or, or what do you do to fill and maintain your creative energy?
0: Oh my, you know, for me, it's usually late in the evening. Everybody's gone to bed. It's quiet for the first time in my house, except the cat that's annoying me. I love to do late night music-filled brainstorming sessions on Evernote where I just brain dump everything out.
1: And well, then I that, come back that's why time. I get emails from you then.
0: That, sorry, that's, <laughs> that, that's that's my thing. Usually, it's like I try to send them on schedule, but sometimes I fail.
1: <laughs> so I'm I'm, I'm more of a morning person. I do my best thinking in the morning, and I actually do my best thinking when I'm walking. So, what oh, what I yeah. do to fill and maintain my creative energy is actually I take really long walks, and I'll usually have um, a podcast on or music or something that you know at mm-hmm. least just kind of keeps me occupied at least, but yeah it's usually when my my mind starts to wander
0: yeah so next question adam uh what is the best advice you've
1: received um i think for me it's uh, at least the one that i think might resonate with with folks here is is like because i've gotten so much good advice in my life is uh (laughs) is the idea that that imposter syndrome is is oh real and affects all of us but it's a construction in your mind and the negative thoughts that you tell yourself or the negative voice that that speaks to you in your head is um it's a construct right it's not necessarily validated or rooted in reality so don't let imposter syndrome stop you from valuing like objectively the 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 good and valuable things that you do every day in the world that's wonderful what's yours dave
0: you know, the first thing that popped into my head is, and you know, I'm a fan of doing hard things. Mm-hmm. When in university, I elected to be a physics major. Idiotic in, in retrospect. No, yeah, I learned a lot from it. But um, I struggled with math a lot in university level, especially calculus. And a moment of uh, like where the, where the, you know, veil was lifted from my eyes about what math is all about is someone said, and this was a good friend of mine. He, he was a whiz at music, but he was also a brilliant musician. I think the two go hand in hand. I
1: think so too. And
0: he said to me, Dave, you're doing this all wrong. Stop trying to understand it. Stop trying to understand math and just do it. <laughs> and when I think about that kind of statement, it actually has a lot of value in, in, in my entire life. when, a lot of times I will actually sit down and try to figure something out. But for us in, in, in our market, you just got to jump in and you've got to start somewhere and you're going to learn and you're going to make mistakes. Understanding isn't necessarily where you have to begin.
1: I love that. All right. It's hard. Such it's hard. Well, yeah, but great, great advice nonetheless. Okay. Final question. Take a breath. Take a breath. Take a breath. Let's <laughs> let's end with a fun one. What is the favorite ice cream flavor of people in customer education? Anchovies and cream. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, nice, nice <laughs> callback. We're, 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 ending, we're ending where we started. People love asking ice cream questions. I think so. I think like customer education people kind of come in a couple different flavors. Um, oh. you've got folks that are sort of like delivery trainers, and then you've got folks who are more like instructional designers. So if I had to like map those back to like very traditional, uh, ice cream flavors, I would say that like the trainers, like the delivery folks are a rocky road because Ooh. like they're, they're big, they're bold. They've got a lot going on. Like sometimes they're big softies and they've got marshmallows in there, but like, uh, you know, there's, it's just like a kind of a. It's like a louder, more dynamic flavor. And I think, um, I think, uh, instructional designers are more like, what is it like, like pistachio or something like that, where it's like a little bit more of like an eclectic flavor, a little bit more like acquired taste, like with more subtlety to it. It might be like a bit more like muted and and understated, but a lot of complexity in the flavor itself.
0: Yeah. I kind of dig that. That's
1: really cool. Both great flavors that, that. Go well together. I don't know. I don't know if I ever get both of those flavors together, but that's that's my thought. I don't know which one I am. Maybe a little of both.
0: Yeah, i have gonna stick. We'll stick with your answer, and let's Not anchovies going for a while. Yeah, not all right, anchovies. And cream. All right. But I like I like that. You know that that we have a lot of different kinds of. But but that was really cool. I mean, you, you, your your sense it's evocative of the the character that we have. You know, you can't just say we're vanilla or chocolate or or. Strawberry, you know, Rocky Road is that Tumultuous life of a trainer that has to deal with an ever-changing platform and get content out right and, and help people when they might not know everything. And an instructional designer who is per- perhaps a little bit more internalized and, and thinking in, on, on their own and then going out and in burst talking with people and trying to process something. So yeah, it's a little nutty and <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's a good way of putting it, but not, you know none of us are anchovies and cream. No. Okay, let's finish out with some calls to action. So listeners, we really appreciate your support over the past few years, and we are committed to continue to provide you with quality content from the front lines of customer education. Now, that said, if you've been listening and enjoy what we have to offer, we have a couple of things to ask that would really help us grow and continue to to grow this endeavor over the next couple of years. So Dave, what's our first call to action?
0: Well, our first call to action is spread the word get out there, share your favorite episode or a link to our site to customer.education uh, or on LinkedIn and Twitter. We, you, can help, you can help yourself by helping us to expand the locus of our network and bring more voices in, bring more diversity in, particularly diversity, because we want to hear from people that don't share our opinions too, because that's how we grow.
1: Absolutely. So yeah, if there's an episode that that you liked or meant a lot to you, please share it. Um, LinkedIn and Twitter both really help us grow. Uh, Number two would be sign the manifesto. So we have our customer education manifesto up on customer.education. There's a link right in the top nav and we would love to have more people sign. We have 70 co-signers already and would love to reach 100 by the end of the year.
0: Yeah, I'd like to make a a comment on this too, that I think this is really foundational. People ask me a couple of times, well, what, what happens when I sign this? Nothing right now. What we're trying to do is get people that share a similar opinion that this is how we're trying to structure what customer education is and have a strategy about approaching it. So we're going to evolve that over time. What will happen is those of you who've signed it, you're our first go-to people as we start to evolve this as a, as a team. So let's, let's go on one more question, uh, one more thing to do. Um, number three is leave a review on Apple podcasts. So we know that we have a lot of listeners out there who you're listening. You've told us you're listening. I've, I've received great emails. Adam's received great emails and texts and slacks. What we need more than anything is your help to go spend a few moments, find something you liked about our podcast and share a five star re- uh, review on iTunes or Spotify or whatever. Apple
1: Apple is, Podcast so. is the big one now. I'm
0: sorry, Apple Podcast. Yeah, they've 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 transitioned that. Um, you know, I I do put that put things like this off. But there's that moment in the evening or in the morning when I've reflected on something that I learned from somebody in a podcast, and I go, you know what? This is awesome. Or I've even gone to other things, and we don't do this now, but I've also gone to other sites and fill the patreon out to support that we're not asking for that we're just asking for your help to promote and to publicize
1: not asking for your money but yeah i agree like i i hear how many podcasts do i hear in a day where everyone says like please leave us a review and then i just forget and i move on with my day so uh, Mm -hmm. if you're listening now you've been putting it off uh set a reminder for yourself uh make a calendar invite do a slash remind in slack uh, or if you're at your computer, we'd really love it if you if you left us a, a five-star review.
0: We would. All right. So that's a wrap. If you want to learn more, we have a podcast website. If you didn't know already, at https slash slash, well, colon slash slash, customer.education. There you can find a lot of content. We have show notes. We have other material. You can see a blog. Uh,
1: it's great. And if you want to reach us, on Twitter, I'm at Dave Darrington. I'm at Avrobescu. And special thanks to Alan Coda for two years of great theme music. Mm-hmm. And to everyone who submitted questions for this episode specifically, Caitlin, Lisa, Sylvie, Linda, Yishin, Mark, David, Kelly, Christy, Daniel, Sam, and Brandon.
0: Awesome. And to our audience, thank you so much for joining us. This was a long podcast, but we're glad you're here. Get out there, educate, experiment, Find your people.
1: Thanks for listening.